Welcome to Healing with Worth, a podcast dedicated to healthy recovery and instilling hope in the wake of betrayal trauma. We are women who have experienced this intimately and want to offer hope to other women. While we may interview professionals on the show, the content should not be taken as therapeutic advice and is not meant to replace therapeutic healing. If you would like to join one of our free online worth groups to help with your betrayal trauma, you may find us at healingwithworth.org. Welcome back to Healing with Worth. I'm Naomi. I'm Janine. And I'm Cherlyn. We're so glad that you're joining us again today to talk about spiritual self-care. We hope that you've been enjoying our podcast and we would love for you to please donate to healingwithworth.org because your donation will allow us to offer hope and healing to women who have been experiencing material trauma. So thank you, Janine. Today we're going to talk about spiritual self-care. This is another very important part of self-care that we didn't want to leave out and it combines, I think it combines a lot of of all of the other types of self-care as well. Some of the reasons why spiritual self-care is important is because I think of spiritual self-care as our connection to God. Sometimes in this process, we get into a place where it becomes hard for us to connect to God. And so to really be able to amp up our spiritual self-care and ask ourselves, you know, are we praying and how are we praying? This particular time is when we need spiritual and personal revelation the most. And back in episode three, just like Kim talked about, sometimes this can be especially hard because our emotions are so all over the place and we're in that hyper aroused state of mind. And so it makes it extra difficult in that state of mind to feel the things of the spirit. And so along with all these other modes of self-care that help to ground us and get to a grounded and clear space. So they kind of help us to get to this place where we can be grounded and take that time to really pray, to meditate, to study the scriptures, to study conference talks, to go to the temple and find peace in the temple and to really renew our connection to God again. And so I think those are some of the some of the reasons why I I think that spiritual self-care is so important for us to not leave out. Um, What were your thoughts, Sherilyn? I guess one of the the main benefits of spiritual self-care, in addition to what Naomi talked about, was how to figure out my new reality. Because I feel like with addiction, I didn't know what was true, you know, what was error. When I would pray to Heavenly Father, I would receive answers. And so it kind of helped me figure out the truth. And I feel like that really was very helpful because everything everything was a mess. And so it kind of helped me sort started to sort things out. And it helped me to feel more confident and stable and secure and safe when I knew what reality was versus this chaotic, you know, gaslighting and all that kind of stuff. So in addition to my relationship with God, that was probably the most helpful thing about my spiritual self-care. Thank you. I love that. Knowing knowing your reality is so important. I know that a lot of times in this, in trauma, and when we experience this betrayal trauma, a lot of people experience a faith crisis. 
And again, we talked about that a little bit with Kimberly Day. I kind of wanted to go into that a little bit more and and kind of see, you know, I know we've all had different experiences with this. And Sherilyn, did you want to share your experience of the faith crisis that you kind of had in this process? Yeah, so I remember as a little girl, you know, I think all of us do, we have these most precious dreams, you know, and one of them was for me to live a life of adventure and romance where I could be the heroine. And, um, you know, I wanted to have a story for full of courage and hope. And I wanted to have everlasting love. And I wanted to know that in my story that good would overcome evil. All of us, I think, you know, want to be the hero of our own story to triumph over adversity, you know, to experience life and its beauty and, you know, and to live happily ever after. I feel like that was one of the dreams of my childhood. And then you fast forward many years and I'm now 20 years old. You know, I think I've finally found the one who's going to join me on my, this grand adventure that I've been planning since I was a child. I was planning on getting engaged. So both of us decided to seek the Lord's counsel before we announced our decision. And so we went to this path behind these apartments in Provo and we split ways. He started to pray and I started to pray. And immediately I knew it was a no answer. I felt confused. I was scared. It was nighttime. I felt unsafe. And so I ended the relationship with this man. Many months later, I met my husband. And so we decided to do the same thing to pray about if we should get married to each other. And so we did. And I felt peaceful. I felt happy. And so I realized that it was the complete opposite experience from the previous one. So I knew that I'd made the right choice. And so we got married a few months later. A few months in, I realized that instead of becoming the hero of my story, like I dreamt as a child, I became a damsel in distress. And so I started to become angry at God. You know, um, every time I prayed to God about whether I should stay in the marriage when things got more complicated, he always prompted me to walk this path. And so I'd always ask myself, you know, um, if this is, you know, what I'm supposed to do, why has it brought so much heartache and feelings of powerlessness? And I really couldn't understand the Lord's counsel. I'd always, you know, in the back of my mind, I'd always be thinking, why? Why would he want me to go through this? It felt unfair. I felt like I didn't deserve it. I felt like I was doing everything right. And, and I just kept questioning, you know, why did he keep encouraging me, encouraging me to stay with my husband, even though everything was a mess. And so I felt like my heart became this battlefield, you know, I was not submitting to God's will, but yet God, this is something that God wanted me to do. But it came to a point where I had to choose if I was going to trust in God. And would I choose to let the Savior into my life and be my Savior? Um, I didn't know if God had the ability to solve this complicated family relationship that kept getting more and more complicated. I didn't know if I could, you know, I've read in the scriptures about complicated situations, but I didn't know if I could trust him with mine. I didn't know if God would help me fight for my dreams or if he was just kind of trying to punish me. And I really doubted that the path that he had chosen for me would never lead to a happily ever after. And so these are the questions that were going on in my mind for many years. And after years of struggle, I feel like God finally did give me my happy ever after. But one of the lessons I learned is it had nothing to do with my marriage. And 
I had everything to do with my heart. And so I found that in the midst of all this drama, I finally found um, that Christ was at the center. And so instead of hiding from my challenges, I decided to embrace them. I decided to work with God rather than against him. And I really like this uh, quote that I wanted to read because it kind of sums up what I went through. And it says, a life without faith has no meaning. And I definitely didn't have faith and I didn't have any meaning. A life without love simply isn't worth living. And I felt like for most of my marriage that I didn't have love and I didn't feel like life was worth living. But a life without hope is a dark cavern from which you never escape. And I feel like for many years I was in that dark cavern of hopelessness and I couldn't escape it. And then faith, hope, and love are mighty forces and hope is the cornerstone. The fate of the other two depend on hope's resilience. So when I finally surrendered to God's will, that hope came into my life and that hope started to surge through my veins. I started to draw upon them, those mighty forces of faith, hope, and love. And as I began to practice those tools in my life of believing that I things could change. I realized at one point that I loved immaturely. I was jealous, possessive, you know, all these things that mark immature love. When I started to practice them and I started to wield those things in my life, my heart was finally at rest. I realized that through the tender mercies of God, that my heart has become tender and it's become merciful to those around me. I now have a backbone of steel. You know, I can do hard things. I have a hand that's been trained for battle, battle for spiritual things, battle battle for the saving of souls. I had to save my own soul. I had to train my hand to fight, to fight for that. I've come to realize that God knows that there is something incredibly fierce in the heart of a woman that is to be contended with, not disdained, but recognized, honored, welcomed, and trained. And I'm glad that God gave me that invitation to be part of something heroic and to help learn the art of saving souls. So that's my faith crisis. Do you guys have one of your own? Well, my my faith crisis didn't necessarily stem around my relationship with God. I didn't really question why I was going through this, but I did question um, priesthood authority within our church. And so that's been something that I am trying to work through and continue to work through. And what that looked like for me was just feeling very stabbed in the back when I'm expressing my pain to a bishop and not really feeling the the compassion or the empathy with the situation that's just been been thrown on me. And I have a new reality that I'm dealing with. So I felt very shamed by them in having these feelings of anger and sadness and hurt given the situation that I was in. That's That's been something that I've had to kind of work through right now. And what I am realizing is that God is the one who provides safety for us, that even in the, the, the way the church is organized, while it's the gospel is perfect, human beings are not. They are going to hurt us, but we can find safety in trusting God. And so I've had to readjust my perspective on some things surrounding this. I don't feel like I'm on the other end of understanding this completely, but I've made progress. And so I feel confident that in time, 
the Lord will bless me with a greater capacity to, to understand this. But I think one of the greatest blessings that I've received in my own faith crisis is that I've really come to understand my own priesthood power, that I have a responsibility to understand that as a woman so that I can help to fulfill my divine mission. I, I believe President Nelson is one of the most validating prophets of women and trying to help us to understand our capacity to influence those around us. And so I just, I feel like that has been a huge blessing is because I've had to really dive deep into understanding what that power entails and how that's accessed. And because of that, I feel empowered, more, much more empowered than I did prior to this experience. That's kind of my experience with my faith crisis. I would imagine, Naomi, you have a story too. Yeah. And I I can certainly relate to both of yours as well. And just that both, both of those aspects, I kind of experienced similar things and and had to really um, come to find my own peace with both of those situations. But mine, I think, one that would be maybe a different experience that I could share that's not repeating something you've already shared would just be that mine was kind of in the aspect of the atonement and trying to understand the atonement. And, um, you know, I, I had a, I had a period of time, um, my kids were little and my husband was acting out frequently and I just, was going through the motions, just showing up and doing what, doing what I was supposed to do, but I, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't. You mean in, in regards to going to church and right your personal yeah studying yeah kind of thing. And there really was no personal studying. I was I was literally just going to church and sitting there and listening, and you know I think occasionally you know something would something would enter into my heart, but it was. I was very, again, kind of like Kim said, I was, I was in this hyper aroused state of mind. Like I was angry. I was frustrated. I was tired, you know, with little kids, you know, waking up and doing the whole mom thing. And so it was, it was really hard for me to put energy into spiritual things. And I didn't see the importance of it at the time. I was just kind of trying to survive, was trying to get through it eventually, you know, eventually I got to a point where, you know, I, I, I came to action and started acting more in my faith. I had this understanding of different aspects of the atonement. Like I understood the aspect of the atonement that covered the resurrection. You know, I, I'll see my, I'll see my family members who've died, who've passed on. And I understood the atonement in terms of repentance and how it covered, you know, sins. But every time somebody talked about the atonement covering our pains, our betrayals, I could never figure that out because it was so hard for me to feel anything but pain in that time. And I was still feeling that pain and I and I would always question, like, I know that it's supposed to cover this, but it's not. <laughs> it's not working for me. And I think for me, that was the hardest part was like, I believe it, 
but it's not working. So I, I had this doubt, I think. And, and it was, did you feel like something was wrong with you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and, and I felt like, I mean, and there was a time when I was even teaching that I was teaching this principle and still like felt shame that I was teaching this yet. I couldn't apply it to my life. I couldn't figure out how this, how this worked for me. Like I knew that it worked. I, I mean, it worked for, you know, the loss of my parents. It worked for, you know, so many different things, but this particular issue in my life, it wasn't touching it because I was still in so much pain and there was still so much coldness. There was still so much, I guess, numbness around that whole issue that I couldn't figure that out. And so it took a long time for me to understand. I think when I did finally understand it was the process and, and it is a process to get to that point, but really difficult to even put it into words how it worked. But I think for me, that turning point to where I finally started to understand was when I really, I really dove into the scriptures. Part of my self-care over the, um, the last year was joining Pathway. And in that, there was so much in-depth study of the gospel and the Book of Mormon. And it wasn't even at that point, but it just is more solidified at that point. But the, the moment that I really surrendered everything to God, I think I was trying so hard to control things on my own because I didn't trust God to control it, to handle it. I think I tried to trust him, but then it didn't work. And so I was like, well, I can't depend on anybody but me. And, and so I didn't depend on him for that particular trial. You know, I couldn't depend on leaders. I couldn't depend on, you know, where's that, that same aspect that you had. I couldn't depend on leaders to have some kind of influence over this. So how could I expect God to have some kind of influence, you know, in my husband's life? But I was working so hard trying to control my husband and his addiction. And it wasn't until I turned inward and started focusing on my relationship with Christ and my relationship with Heavenly Father that I started to understand the atonement and it started to work. It started to heal. I started to get that space that I needed to find that connection and to find the spirit and to, and to live in that spirit and really, and really dive deep into the things of the spirit that really healed my soul. And, and, you know, it's not, I wouldn't say that I'm completely healed, but there's definitely you know, that peace that, that people talk about that even amidst the chaos that I have peace knowing that because of my savior, Jesus Christ, no matter what the outcome of my marriage is, I'll be okay because Jesus Christ is my savior and he makes up for, he's, um, what is it? He's the great multiplier, right? Is, is what they say. And and so he multiplies my efforts um, far beyond anything that I could do. And, and he performs miracles in my life daily. And, and so having that relationship and, and being able to recognize that in my life has been such a blessing and such a help in this process of, of this faith crisis and really solidifying my faith in that particular aspect of the atonement. I know that I talked a little bit about shame and, and sometimes I know that there's a lot of shame 
that can be had in this in this faith crisis that we experience. Charlotte, did you want to talk a little bit about about that? Shame is a huge part of betrayal trauma, and I feel like it's also a part of spirituality. Well, I guess I I adopted the belief that that if I did certain things, I would be a good person, you know. And so what the betrayal trauma kind of brought out in me was there were some parts of my life, you know, that I wasn't so proud of. You know, I got, I was angry. I became jealous. I had these very strong emotions, you know, um, and I knew that they weren't right. You know, I knew that I didn't want to be feeling those, but I was. And so I kind of had to to grapple with that, you know, to wrestle with it. Kind of the explanation that I came up with that kind of makes sense to me comes through a quote by Pema Chodron, which I really love. It almost has become my mantra, but it reads, compassion is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. It's a relationship between two equals. Only when we know our own darkness well, can we be present with the darkness of others. Compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared humanity. And this has been a grounding topic for me to realize that this is a shared humanity. Everybody has a, a dark side and a nice and a, and a good side, actually what brings us together. And I really found that once I became more and more okay with my own dark side, then I could be okay with the darkness in others too. And so I felt like, you know, instead of, you know, when someone became angry I, for at, in a situation, I had more compassion and I thought well they're going through something difficult or if they were you know doing sinful things I didn't look at them the same way I used to before I had betrayal trauma because I realized too that in my own way I'm a sinner and so I came more compassionate towards people who are sinning and so I feel like that's kind of the the shame of it for me what about you guys what are your thoughts about shame well I think uh for my in my own personal experience, there was a lot of shame around what I felt like I should do and what I felt like I could do. You know, I really did want to have scripture study and prayer with my husband, but I really couldn't because of all the anger and the, the hurt and frustration involved in our relationship, especially after it was kind of known to me what was going on the the D-Day happened for me very abruptly. And so there was a lot of resistance with being able to do spiritual things with my husband. Like it was hard for me to have a spiritual discussion with him because I felt like he was not in a place of moral authority to really have this discussion with me. And so there was a lot of shame around that. There was shame around, you know, I felt betrayed by my church leaders who I didn't feel really addressed this issue in a way that was helpful for us as a couple to heal. Because of that, I was shamed for having uh, feelings of of not wanting to participate in these kind of things with my husband. And I was shamed by them. So so for me, the, the big biggest issues of shame played around kind of my own feelings of anger and hurt and the length of time with church leaders, you know, that I was experiencing this. So, yeah, I think I I can relate to all of that, especially the not wanting to do spiritual things, you know, with your husband. I, I found myself in that same kind of situation. I don't think that I ever expressed that to leaders and actually because of, (laughs) because of, again, I, I have some, 
I have some mistrust, you know, I'm working on my trust, <laughs> but you know, I, I have a lot of mistrust for, for leaders in, in that aspect that I just feel like, you know, this is, this is my life and, and I'm going to work with God in this and God is merciful. You know, these men are, are, are in the, these men that are in leadership positions, they are well-meaning. And they're really in a very difficult position. I mean, I do, I do recognize that, that they're in a very difficult position to be able to balance this confidentiality piece. And then this lack of training, really. Yeah, really, truly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and so I just, I, I don't put a lot of merit into getting my spiritual fulfillment from them in, in terms of this issue, I guess. Yeah. And that's why it's important to have this spiritual connection with God is so we don't rely on them um, for that, that we're relying on, on God. Yeah. Because they're human and humans let us down. Humans just let us down and that, you know, and we can't expect them to be, to be our God. And so I think it's definitely okay to, to have those feelings and, and even if there's shame around it, I, I feel like, and, and we kind of talked about this before, that the shame disintegrates when it's pulled out of secrecy. The more, that, the more that we talk about it, the more that we express these things, the less shame that we feel and the less power it has over right. shrink to have that additional piece of empathy. You know, it completely washes that shame right out the door. We would like to thank our sponsor, Men of Moroni, a Christ-centered support group for men overcoming sexual misbehavior, including addiction to pornography. Men of Moroni, part of life-changing services, helps to fund worth so we can offer free therapeutic group healing to women suffering from betrayal trauma. If you know someone who could benefit from their services, go to their website, lifechangingservices.org. Now back to our show. I know there's been many gifts in my life that have be, that have come because of this experience and um, have felt very strengthened by uh, the Lord's hand in my life. Naomi mentioned earlier how she came to have a deeper understanding of the atonement through this experience. I feel like I have gained a better understanding of my priesthood power as a woman. What gifts have have you felt blessed by, Cherilyn? Well, if I think about it, my healing went up a notch when I started to recognize and be grateful for the gifts that I was receiving from God. Like all of us, as we just talked about in the podcast, as I started to... As I started to pursue the development of my talents and my gifts, it brought great satisfaction, growth, and positive change into my life. It's helped me see the evidence of God's hand in my life. And to be honest, many times these gifts came in such an unusual manner and with such precise timing that it really did confirm to me the reality of God's existence, that He has and always will buoy me up in times of trial. I remember at one particular point in my journey, I was very discouraged, overwhelmed, and fearful. To be honest, when wasn't it like when wasn't it like that for us, ladies in betrayal trauma? I was feeling like my life was not turning out how I expected. I felt like many of my dreams, an eternal marriage, an eternal family, unity, 
and love had all been taken away from me. And I was mired in this negative thinking. I was lamenting that many of the people that I had loved had turned away from our shared religion. And then to make things worse, I feel like Satan was using these moments as an opportunity to attack me and to lead me into self-criticism and then finding, finding fault in others. And then one day I heard a talk in church titled Walk With Me by President Eyring, which really had an impact on me. President Eyring shared a story about a newly baptized young man in his ward. Um, President Eyring was the bishop at the time, and uh, he got it one day he got a call from the police telling him that this young man had crashed his car through the glass lobby of a bank. As President Eyring waited to speak to him in the bishop's office, and I quote President Eyring, I planned what I would say to make him feel remorseful for the way he had broken his covenants and embarrassed the church. As I, but as I sat looking at him, I heard a voice in my mind say, just as clearly as if someone were speaking to me, I'm going to let you see him as I see him. And then for a brief moment, his whole appearance had cha- his whole appearance changed to me. I saw not a dazed young man, but a bright, noble son of God. I suddenly felt the Lord's love for him. The vision changed our conversation. It also changed me. I feel like over the years, the Lord has nurtured the gift of being able to see people and situations as they can become rather than who they are. He has taught me how to see people as he sees them through his eyes, which means seeing past an outward appearance of addiction and into the heart. I also realize that the things that I focus on largely determine how I feel about a person. So when I was focusing on my loved one's faults, I saw them as broken. When I started focusing on their gifts and their talents, I started to see them as the way God sees them with endless potential. At the beginning, it was hard for me to to imagine what my loved ones would be like without their shortcomings. But it was through the tender mercies of God that I've been able to given this ability to look past their choices and to see who they really are, beloved sons and daughters of God. Um, I also feel like I've received the gift of prophecy. I have this ability to know what things are coming up, and then it's totally amazing to me to see that they actually come into place. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I felt the same way. But when we think of the gift of gift of prophecy, we often like leave it to the prophet when when really we we can have that gift as well mm-hmm. for ourselves. Yeah. So like I knew that I was going to be getting this um you know this business opportunity to come and then when it finally comes it's like it's just amazing to me to think that I have that ability. You know like I was like like you it was just you know for the prophets but it's just interesting to me that these gifts come. The third gift maybe that's really important to me is I I like to call it a a co-creator with God and I feel like it's not just him telling me what to do or me you know me submitting to his will but we've really I've learned how to partner with him and it's like I trust in him now and together I feel like we can create I I really am going to create with him this happy ending and I don't know exactly what it looks like yet but I do know that it will with God's help it will be everybody will be happy in that ending. And so I feel like co-creator is definitely one of the blessings that I've learned from being going through betrayal trauma. That reminds me of 
President Nelson's invitation for us to walk arm in arm with God mm-hmm. in his address to the women this this conference. So that's that's awesome. Naomi, you were there other gifts that you wanted to share with our listeners today that you feel you have gained because of your um, spiritual connection with God? Yeah, I, oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, and, and it most, a lot of it is obviously we talked about, um, but I feel like um, for me, the closer that I come to God, the more I see his tender mercies in my life. Um, <clears throat> throughout the, the first year of my separation, there was just day after day. I mean, it was one thing after another. And sometimes, like, it took me a little bit to see, you know, some of these blessings. But, I mean, the Lord brought me to where I am today. He helped me to find the house that I'm living in, in the ward that I'm in with the people that are around me. Like he knows us and he knows our lives. He knows our situations and he is trying his best to help us. And when I was first separated and trying to find a house to live in, I mean, it was so hard. It was like, trying to, I can't, I can't even think of a good analogy, but it was, it was like running a race, um, trying to get a house because it was this time of year when everybody was, and rentals were hard to come by. And so as soon as one would come up open, it was gone immediately. And I was living with my sister at the time, which was another tender mercy, you know, because having that support and that that help during that time that was particularly rough was helpful and then all of a sudden this this house comes available but it's not listed as what I needed you know and I had I had lowered my you know my standards in terms of of what we could fit into and so I was like okay well maybe this will work it doesn't look as small as they say it is you know maybe maybe there's an extra room, you know, instead it's listed as a three bedroom. Maybe, you know, maybe there's an extra room. Well, anyways, it looked really familiar and it ended up being the house of a friend that my family had grown up with. And my sister was good friends with her. And she even lived with us for a time after her parents moved out of state through the military. And, and so I sent her a message and was like, is this your house? (laughs) And she's like, it is my house, but it's not a three bedroom, you know, that, and my parents still own it, you know? And so it was just one of those things that ended up being in the ward that I grew up in. So there wasn't this process of trying to get to know new people to establish some safety and some people that I could rely on. There were people that knew me from childhood still in this ward and they took me in and they welcomed me back and at first I was hesitant about that, <laughs> about going back to my childhood ward. And, but I mean, it has been probably the biggest blessing of this 
this time. Like I can see how God orchestrated that and how, you know, my, my old young woman's leader was there and she was helping me. She was helping watch my kids while I went to class. And I mean, so many things that when you work, when you move into a new ward, it takes time to get to know people and it takes time to build that trust and to build those relationships. And those relationships were already there in this ward that I happened to get a house in and move into, you know, um, along with the price. I mean, there's so many blessings that I've seen, just seen God's hand in, in every aspect and, you know, really being able to take time to, to go to the temple and to receive that revelation that has guided me through every step of my life the last two years, you know, that personal revelation has been, and those experiences in the temple have been so, such a blessing and such a strength to me and to my testimony. And they help me to keep moving forward in my life and knowing that I have God's help and I have help from my family on the other side of the veil, as well as my family and my support on this side of the veil. And so that that strength has been such a blessing um, and such a tender mercy of the Lord to be able to see those gifts and to see those blessings every day in my life and, and to be able to endure these trials and these hardships and, um, and to keep moving forward. Um, when there's, there's a quote that I absolutely love and it comes from a, um, comes from an article that we'll list in the, we'll put it in the episode notes. And it says, when we heal, we step into, into the people we've always wanted to be. We're not only able to metabolize the pain, we are able to affect real change in our lives, in our families, and in our communities. We are able to pursue our dreams more freely. We are able to handle whatever life throws at us because we are self-sufficient and assured. We are more really we are more willing to dare, risk, and dream of broader horizons, ones we never thought we'd reach. Life hurts life hurts us all in different ways but it is how we respond and who we become that determines whether the trauma becomes a tragedy or the beginning of a story of how the victim became the hero and i i think that's such a beautiful description of how this this tragedy of trauma can really shape us and into these people where we can see these blessings. We can find this healing. We can find this spiritual growth that we've never imagined before. And whether that means, you know, uh, you are part of a particular religion or whether that means that your spiritual growth is just to a higher power, it's growth and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, one of the things I like about that quote is um, the beginning of the story. And so in our religion, we have a patriarchal blessing. And I feel like one of the things that that did for me was it painted the story of a hero, the story of one who had overcome 
these challenges that I've been facing. So I, one of the resources that I've used, relied on heavily, has been my patriarchal blessing. I've, and I, it's not the only one. I've, I've been to the temple weekly for 11 years. I love the scriptures. I love journal writing. I love pondering and praying. What other, um, res- what other resources have you guys used in your life? So um, my patriarchal blessing has been a great help for me as well. Um, and recently, I have used my patriarchal blessing and then the conference talks that I have studied for many, many years and the scriptures to help develop my mission statement. And it was only through this kind of recent um, experience or, or this recent pain that I've been experiencing again surrounding my um, ecclesiastical leaders that I've developed this mission statement. So I feel like that's, that is going to be a great um, source of healing for me because I read that every morning and every evening before I go to bed. And um, there, there've been a couple of other resources in my understanding of, you know, spiritual questions. I love Sister du- Sherry Dew's book, Worth the Wrestle. And um, she really is very vulnerable with her own questions that she's had and trying to find reconciliation with the Lord in those questions. And I love her book, Women in the Priesthood, which she also addresses kind of our responsibility to understand our our priesthood power as women. And then recently there was another book released called Live Up to Our Privileges, which has also been a help to me in understanding my priesthood power. Um, Elder Bednar's books, because he focuses so much on the process of learning, have been really helpful to me as well, as well as conference talks for, I've studied conference talks for so many years. And um, that has really helped me to uh, not only understand the words of the brethren, um, but also um, help me learn scriptures as well. Learn learn what's in the scriptures and help me to address my spiritual questions in the scriptures, and not from from a perspective of understanding doctrine and not understanding a comment that was, or or not relying on a comment someone made in. Sunday school or Relief Society, but rather really uh, digging into the scriptures to understand the doctrine of Christ. So those, those have kind of been the, the main sources for me lately. I love that. I love how you talked about conference talks because that's been a big one for me as well. Um, because I love the, I love the ability to listen to them you know, when I'm in the car, when I'm going, you know, I can always have a conference talk going. And one of the, one of the things that I loved so much about Pathway um, is that there were so many conference talks that I had never, like talks from before I was born, (laughs) you know, that I never thought to look for, you know, and, and to have those there to, to read and to study um, have been incredible to, to add to, you know, that spiritual growth and, um, 
one of the one of the books that I've really enjoyed is uh, called Healing Through Christ, and it's a twelve step book, but it uh, incorporates quotes from the apostles into the twelve steps, and um, they reference these talks in the book. So going through those talks and reading them, I've been able to find so much strength through, through those. And, and a couple of my favorites, I wanted to share, um, <clears throat> Elder Neil A. Maxwell has a talk from 1990 general conference called Endure It Well. And I think I've read that talk probably like 50 times since I found it because, and he has a lot of really wonderful talks, <laughs> um, and I was born when he was when he was an apostle, but I was so young that um, I didn't really know him as an apostle. And then he died, you know, um, before I really could understand, you know, him. He, but he has a lot of really beautiful talks. And in this one, he talks about enduring, and and he talks about he says enduring. True enduring represents not merely the passage of time, but the passage of the soul, and not merely from A to B, but sometimes all the way from A to Z. To endure in faith and do with God's will, therefore, involves much more than putting up with a circumstance. Rather than shoulder shrugging, true enduring is soul trembling. And Jesus bled at, not at a few, but at every poor. And, and he says, patient endurance permits us to cling to our faith in the Lord and our faith in his timing when we are being tossed about by the surf of circumstance. Even when a seeming undertow grasps us, somehow in the tumbling, we're being carried forward, though battered and bruised. And that just speaks to me so much because I feel like in this whole process that we're trying to endure, I've gone through all of these stages, you know, where I was just putting up with the circumstances and, and waiting for it to be over, you know, and then I entered this phase where it became true soul, like soul trembling, you know, and, and then in that process of letting go and clinging to my faith in the Lord, you know, even though it's still painful and even though it's still hurting, you know, even though there's still more to do, I'm moving forward and I'm becoming a different person and I'm becoming more than I was before with, with God at my side and, and with my faith in him. And then another this is the last quote, <laughs> but it's from Gene R. Cook in April of 1993. And, and he um, says, Jesus taught that we pass through all, all these trials to refine us in the furnace of affliction and that we should, and that we should not bear them unaided, but in the Redeemer's name, in spite of our feeling at times that he has forgotten us, he testifies, yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. And I know that sometimes when we experience these faith crises and we think that God has forgotten us, we think that he doesn't know where we are and what we're going through and the pain that we're experiencing, that I know that he knows our pain. He knows our circumstances individually. And I think that as we come to find that knowledge for ourselves, then we can really truly find that comfort in the knowledge that he does know us individually. And if we can learn that he suffered individually for us, personally for us, then 
we, and we can start to let go of that pain and that control and really cling to that and find that peace and that hope that comes with, with Christ's atonement. In closing, we wanted to make sure that you know that you can email us at worth at lifechangingservices.org. And any questions or any topics that you want addressed or talked about, and we will be more than happy to take those suggestions or questions and put them into our podcast to be able to uh, address concerns that you have on your mind. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us this week on Healing with Worth. Make sure to visit our website, healingwithworth.org, to enroll in a therapist-led support group or to check out our blog. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or wherever you may listen, or simply tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in next week for a new episode because you are worth it.